0: welcome to oz rock rated the podcast that takes australian rock bands catalogues and ranks them in order worst to best according to us i'm ben and with me is sam g'day everybody this is oz rock rated hello again everybody and welcome to another episode of oz rock rated my name's ben and with me as always is sam hello sam Hello, Ben.
1: Good afternoon. Isn't it a
0: wonderful crisp autumn day? It's lovely. Had a bit of rain yesterday. It cooled down significantly after a horrible stretch of forty degree days. Gross.
1: And our thoughts are with everyone in Queensland who are underwater. Hmm. That's yeah, not indeed. us.
0: Indeed. Not us at all. Although it usually comes in a bit later on, but that's beside the point. We're here to discuss Oz Rock, aren't we? Not the bloody weather.
1: And we did. We uh, gave it away last episode who we were going to talk about, and I don't think we'll do that again because you kind of paint yourself in a corner, don't you? Because through the week you might think of someone else you might want to do.
0: That's all right though. I don't mind having a plan, planning oh, okay. ahead. Okay, I've got an idea for next <laughs> for next <laughs> episode. Oh, good. Don't um, tell us. Uh, so this week, of course, we told you last last time last episode is uh, I think probably one of Australia's most underrated bands. Would hmm. you agree
1: with that? Well, I think they only had one number one, didn't they? One number
0: one song. I'll get into my reasons why a little bit later, but of course we're talking about my second favourite Australian band from Mount Eliza in Victoria, Australian Crawl. Formed in 1978, I think they were, in uh, Mount Eliza, no, 76, sorry, in uh, Mount Eliza, which is on the Mornington Peninsula, for those of you not familiar with that area is right down the bottom of Victoria on the outskirts of Melbourne, famously where Harold Holt went for his... Uh,
1: oh, that's where he went for the swim. Yeah, I've been down there. Nice it's the a beautiful pier. area. Really so, you know, it nice. That uh, surprises me because I always think of Manly for some reason whenever I think of Australian Crawl. I don't know
0: why. Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of people... Well, they relocated to Sydney a bit later on. Hmm. Um, but I think just that whole culture... That manly surf culture, I think they got ingrained in that somehow and they spent a lot of time in Sydney in the 80s playing in those in those pubs like the Manly Vale Hotel and the Bondi Icebergs and those kind of places. But I think Australian Crawl are best summed up by Glenn A. Baker, famous Australian music journalist. He says, Australian Crawl seemed to step out of a tourism poster. Spruce, lean, tanned and young. <laughs> They swam, they surfed, they radiated a healthy, holy Australian aura. If Skyhooks had personified the bodgy larrikin, and Cold Chisel a hard-drinking working-class man, Australian Crawl turned the bronzed lifesaver into a pop idol.
1: Well, there you go. That's mm. the surf kind of. Not that they were a surf band, but yeah, like like I said, I, I just any time I kind of drive around Manly or go, you know, around those sort of, maybe because they sort of sing about northern beaches and all that sort of stuff. I
0: don't know. Oh, Daughters of the Northern Coast, that that was about Grafton. Oh, okay. Yeah, up further up um, well, the s- Australian coast. But yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah uh, they were a good looking band, weren't they? they Especially were. when uh, David Rain was in the band for a little while, wasn't well, he? He was his right brother.
0: Right at the start was David played drums until they drafted in um, um, Bill, Bill McDonough. Yeah. Mm. Who, of course, his little brother, Guy McDonough, wrote a couple of songs for them on the first album and then joined on guitar. But um, just further to that Glenn A. Baker. Oh, sorry um, I interrupted. No, no, it's fine. Um, I just wanted to, I think that 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 little, uh, he goes on to say, Crawl songs uh, seem to eulogize hedonism, adventure and the great outdoors for an audience who couldn't be bothered with Midnight Oil's politics. There's a hint for the next episode. Um, But... I think there was a lot more going on under the surface. Uh, Glenn seems to put paint them as the you know the bronze tanned Aussie, and everything was rosy in their world. But I think it was anything but, as we'll mm, get into we'll a little get into bit that, later. Won't we? Yes, yes. So shall we start? On we'll we'll talk about the evolution of the band and and how they came to. Uh, break up and reform and all of that stuff as we get into the records, I suppose. Should we start it? No, I think we all know what... Well, uh, this is one one complication we had with this episode is they only had four official album releases. One of those uh, came right at the end of their career when everything was ruined and uh, the other uh, three were in the prime and then they had a, a an EP which they turned into an LP in the European and US markets. So we're going to include the the semantics ep aren't we the australian version the the australian which is only four four songs four songs
1: yeah because the european and american one actually has if it if it was in the list then that'd be your probably best album because it's almost like a greatest hits hits just with those four songs included yeah so yeah so this is the first time we've done an ep but we had to because they only got four
0: albums Mm, which surprised
1: me as well I thought they had heaps of
0: albums. No, no, no. I've got them all. Did you see my fa- I I sent did, a photo? I to saw the, it. Yeah. You got them all on. Um, Little collection on vinyl. On vinyl. Picked Lovely. them up over the years. <laughs> <laughs> see, there you go. Well, they are your
1: second favourite band then.
0: Uh, yeah, from, from Mount Eliza. Oh, yeah. Right. We're going to do my favourite band from Mount Eliza one day, I presume.
1: Oh, well, see, I don't even know what you're talking about there.
0: Well, that's that's everyone can look that up. Everyone right, can Google go. it. Yeah. Famous bands from Mount Eliza do that. You'll <laughs> find the probably one of the world's greatest bands are from there. Yeah. Um, now, let's get into number five. And I think me and you are going to agree heartily on this one, even though your BFF plays on it.
1: Yeah, well, Between a Rock and a Hard Place has to come in at five because, jeez. Damn, they're unlistenable. <laughs> I
0: tried real hard too.
1: <laughs> I, know, I, I really did. I mm. thought, okay, I'm going to knuckle down because after the one we did on the Angels and there was two albums I didn't even listen to, I thought, no, no, I owe it to our to our listeners. Yeah. But uh, I, I, just, I just couldn't do it.
0: Recorded in 1985, right at the end of their career, this one, and um, for the time cost an absolute fortune, $400,000 apparently to to record this album at um EMI I think they recorded it and it just it's a mess isn't it yeah they didn't get their money's worth and so just a little backstory here
1: I've met John Watto Watson a couple of times I used to work at a drum shop and Watto used to come in he's a bit of a bargain hunter <laughs> and lovely guy like one of, absolutely one of the nicest guys in the world and you feel like saying Watto how do you go shopping at Woolies and hear you play drums because he played with He played on "Horses" by Daryl Braithwaite, and how is that him? Yeah, he's a real session kind of gun. Like he's kind of he's the Australian John Robinson, I suppose, and he's played on tons of albums and stuff. But uh, I messaged him and said, "John, would you like to come on to the podcast and uh, just have a chat about your time with Australian Crawl?" Uh, You know, and he explained it and sent him an example of it, and he wrote back. What did he write back? Thanks, Sam.
0: Thanks, Samuel. Thanks, Samuel. <laughs> so I think he only know. read the first sentence because you said that yeah. we were doing it. And he just went, oh, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't think he kept reading saying that I wanted to ring him up. Well, he's and, probably a busy dude. Well, he is. He's actually out on tour with James Rain. At the moment, he's doing all of those festivals and everything. And um, and before that, he was on tour with Rose Tattoo. And he's played with everybody anyway. But I I, I can almost understand why he doesn't want to come on and talk about it because it's not a real good representation of... I don't even think he's on most of it. It sounds like a drum machine.
0: It does, doesn't it. it? Yeah, and I, I was going to say...
1: One song, I think Two Hearts, I think, has got a bit of drums in it, but, yeah, the rest of it, I don't know. It's just a mess.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, this band barely resembles Australian Crawl at this point. It's pretty much James Rayne and company, but although Brad Robinson, one of the original members, is in on the album but only plays synthesizer... Yeah, well, so who's uh, Simon Hussey? Well, Simon Hussey uh, took over from um, Simon Binks. Right. Who was one of the original, or the original lead guitar player. Um, he had something, he's one of those uh, session dudes as well. I think he even played on the horses.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, because you could see it kind of headed that sort of way, that that late 80s Australian sort of sound, John yeah. Farnhamy kind of. Daryl Braithwaite-y sort of sound.
0: Yeah, Hussey's been in heaps of stuff. That Remember that Company of Strangers? I think James Rain oh, was in that, like all of these cobbled was that together. That,
1: I get lost? <laughs> <laughs> Did they do that song? I think that was them, wasn't it? It could have been. Yeah. Oh, there you go.
0: And he's a producer as well. He produced right. He produced uh, Dazza Braithwaite. Craig McLaughlin on, on his oh, credits. Oh, and
1: Check 1, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now that makes sense. Now yeah, that we read into that, so... Uh, right
0: yeah so it barely resembled brad robinson by that stage it had, had i think he'd had he'd been in a car accident and uh had minor brain damage and was in all kinds of legal uh legal problems and he also had uh falling out with james roan around this period uh for claiming that he'd written boys light up which he subsequently denied that he ever said that but anyway that's a whole other story that we'll get into in the later albums but Um, Suffice to say, this album is not worth a listen at all because (laughs) just from the start, two can play some kind of weird synth reggae. I mean, the vocals are okay. I think there's one song on here that I didn't mind. Divers Down, it might be. Um, James is still in fine, fine voice and still can sing very well. And there's a couple of good melodies on here, but it's just so quintessential... Just 80s.
1: overblown and yeah, uh, and, and isn't it a shame they used to spend four hundred thousand dollars on that stuff yeah, oh yeah. And, and puts him in debt for the rest of well, their you lives. You can record and, an
0: album at Fatback these <laughs> days for what one hundred and fifty
1: bucks. Well,
0: yeah, whatever I decide to charge <laughs> yeah. you nowadays, and they come out
1: sounding great. Exactly, better <laughs> don't than, sound better, like than
0: better than Rock and a Hard Place. And just incidentally, they re- they released a. uh a live album in 1986 straight after this called the final wave which is also unlistenable oh if you i had a so i, didn't listen to I had thing. the misfortune to listen to that and w- definitely what i was not on that because it's a, it's 100 can we put it on let's Wh- just which uh, one what do you want to listen uh, to the final wave just bring that up okay
1: That's enough of that. Now, I can tell you what's going on there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, so, when did you say this it was 1986, 86. right? So, that, that is Watto playing drums on that because, and I know this because I've seen some footage of him and he's very distinct. He's left-handed um, and he's a big fella. Anyway, I've seen some footage from around that sort of era anyway. Now, what's going on there with the drums is they used to use things called triggers, and oh. what a trigger is is it triggers an electronic sound. So he's looks like you're playing acoustic drums, and you have got this little sensor on your snare drum, and so you can actually hear it misfiring. You can oh, hear it like there at the is. start. That um,
0: snare, that little snare <coughs> fill in it sounds like he he just come out of Year Seven yeah. Drum Drum Academy. And oh, it, oh yeah, I, I apologise. And, and so
1: that's why how they're getting that crappy, and they and and you know it's pretty primitive. 1986. That's a long time ago. Um, like 40 years ago almost. Um, So that's what's going on there and that's why it sounds awful and you can hear them sort of warming up up there and the bass guitar sounds like a synth bass and oh, geez, just an awful time for music, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah,
0: okay, well, I apologise because I thought that (sighs) must have been a drum machine or I was drunk.
1: Well, you could say it's kind of not Watto playing because it's just like this bloody signal going through a drum machine. Awful. Synthesizer thing, but uh, if yeah, you want to listen it
0: to it, an Australian so. crawl live album, then get yourself Phalanx. or Phalanx. Phalanx.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. That's earlier, it's isn't it? It's a
0: beaut. I wish we could have included that. We probably. Oh no, we couldn't because no, it's, it's a greatest, the greatest hits, hits too. thing. Yeah, oh, so, oh, actually, no. not so much. It's got a few weird ones on it, but anyway. anyway. All right. Well, let's. That's, so, just that's out, just out of the way. Rid, the, rid our brains of that particular misadventure and <laughs> go on to number four. <laughs> not your number four. My
1: number four was the EP.
0: Yeah, me too, semantics, only because it didn't have a chance to get going, but it's got Reckless on it. Yeah, I know, and so this, for our
1: eagle-eared listeners, this says Buzz Bidstrup plays
0: on this. So I was this wondering is... when he was on that, because he only joined for like two minutes.
1: Yeah, so this is, so um, we were talking about the Angels a few weeks ago, and Buzz Bidstrup, Again, is very prolific in the Australian music scene, and so he plays. He he was in the band for about two seconds, and um before Watto joined, and he was on this. So, of course, um. Like I said before, if this if this was actually um, the European one, this would be their best album because it's like a greatest hits. But uh, yeah, this has got reckless and what's the other one? White Limbo. Um, White Limbo. Yeah, White Limbo has got it. I don't know why I like White Limbo. Everyone probably, loves White Limbo. I probably Limbo. shouldn't, but because it's again, I kind can't. Of, you could see the direction they were heading, I suppose, because this is the one before. Uh between a rock and a hard place. So you could see the way they were going, but uh, I think what kind of saved it, of course, was "Reckless," which is one of the greatest songs ever.
0: Oh, hang on! I think I've just figured out why you think they they're from Manly because he says the Manly ferry cuts oh. its way to Circular Key.
1: Well, there you go. And
0: I've got a story about this song, and we'll bring up later when
1: you ask about uh, you know my recollections of them and how I got into them and everything like that. Because oh, well, no, let's do it now. What well, do you want to do it now? I yeah, will talk about the thing. Okay, so. Reckless is burnt into my brain because probably, well, one of my best mates from school, we grew up together all our lives and uh, we used to go to uni together and live together. His name's Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeffrey. (laughs) Anyone who's listening to this knows Jeff. Uh, Oh, no, well, they'll know Jeff here in a minute. And um, one of our favorite pastimes at university (laughs) was going out and getting blind. (laughs) Tuesday night they used to have a thing called Toss the Boss and so you'd go there and you'd actually roll the dice and if you rolled higher than the bartender then you got all your drinks for free so you get people rocking up and saying I'll have 12 fire engines which is vodka and raspberry and uh, you'd roll and then if you got them then uh, and if you rolled two sixes you got double the amount of drinks so this is all before RSA and everything anyway Jeff used to come home and put reckless on <laughs> Because he had been
2: reckless.
1: (laughs) And I mean, like, have you ever seen someone sit down and listen to music and actually live the song? (laughs) Like, and I mean, he'd shut his eyes and he'd have tears falling (laughs) at the corner of his eyes. And and remember on your CD player, you used to have the little um, repeat? Yeah. Yeah, so you'd be able to repeat the whole album or just one song. And I think we had that crawl file, The Greatest Hits, in our CD collection, our shared CD collection there And he'd put Reckless on And, and honestly, he'd put it on repeat <laughs> And of course oh, That's
0: alright, everyone's got a favourite song when I, they're blind I know
1: and, But the thing is, is he'd have an absolute gut fall And he'd fall asleep about three seconds into it And <laughs> then you'd be upstairs And you and kind of, you know when you're in that half Half awake, half asleep kind of thing And you can just hear this song going On and on and on all night <laughs> Until you come down and kick him in the shins and say, what are you doing, go to bed? <laughs> and of course, around this time, he put a fish in the oven once uh, and of course fell asleep. Probably Reckless was playing as well. Uh, went to uni <laughs> that day, came home and the house was full of smoke. The fish was still in the oven. <laughs> what kind of fish was it? He'd caught it the day before as a trout, I think. I don't know. Oh. So he nearly burnt the house down. But that's... that's. Uh, Very every time I listen to Reckless, and you might have a particular song in your uh, repertoire, but every time I listen to Reckless, that's exactly where I go back to Lambert Street in Bathurst.
0: Well, I've got a very interesting story about my first exposure to Australian crawl. Very interesting. Uh, You probably, you might not remember, but around about nineteen eighty-eight, maybe eighty-nine. We had a guy, we used to have, I think they still do it, where you billet out students from other schools.
1: I remember, didn't we have um, Looney's son?
0: Yes, Gus Looney.
1: Gus Looney, see I remember this, and who's his father of course is the cartoonist.
0: Michael Looney. Michael Looney. Who did the cover for, well let me tell a story. Oh, uh, right. So Gus came to, to stay with us for a week. I think he was from Camden. He was, and well, that's
1: where the exchange was from, wasn't it? And he was a bit loose, wasn't he?
0: No, no, not at all. He oh. was a lovely fella. He oh. talked. He talked. This is right around the time I was getting into playing guitar, or just had acquired a guitar and didn't really know how to play it. See. And Gus was a guitar player oh. and he showed me how to play Stairway to Heaven. Right. So, he'll always have a, a special place in my heart for that.
1: Oh, well, that's uh, G'day, Gus, if you're listening. Yeah. I think he's, <laughs> Let's he's, see if we can he's get still a musician, is
0: Gus. But anyway, um, we went down to Martin's, the local uh, retrovision style slash record store in Cowra, New South Wales, because I took him down to show the, lo- the local culture. <laughs> and um, we were walking past the, uh, the racks of cassettes and just flipping through them. And he picked one up and said, my dad drew that. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, my dad is a cartoonist. See, it, just, it says there at the bottom, Lunig. And it was the cover of um, Phalanx. Yeah, And, the, and the, the man's just sitting there in the surf, it looks like, and five or six sharks are swimming towards him. And then uh, the second panel is... Five or six heads pop up and they've just got little shark fin hats on.
1: <laughs> and it's uh, unmistakably Lunig, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Anyway, I, I remember thinking, oh, man, that's weird. And I, I'd never heard of Michael Lunig before, even though he was proper famous by this stage. And anyway, um, then I'd never properly heard of Australian Crawl because they didn't tend to be on those mixtapes that we used to get. Anyway, I went down and bought a Crawl File that you mentioned I, I, as soon as I saved up enough money, I bought the Crawl File cassette, and that's where I got into Australian Crawl and discovered a lifelong bloody enjoyment of the bastards.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, yeah. hopefully that triggers a memory for everybody else at home listening, because isn't it wonderful? What Mem- was your favorite? Was well, Reckless
0: your favorite? After Jeff, oh, excuse me, <laughs> flogged it? Well, I always
1: liked that song and always liked the greatest hits, and um, but... Yeah, Reckless and... Oh, I'll get into my favourite songs when we talk about the... Oh, okay. Because I think they might actually have my favourite song ever. And I know I say that all the time, but jeez. Favourite ever? Oh, it's in my top five, oh.
0: at least. Maybe top three. Well, I should add too that um, once I had the crawl file, I tried to, to bang out, at, like learn a couple of songs and of course... Oh, it'd have to be Boys Light yeah, Up. Yeah, <laughs> learn Boys Light Up because it's a three chord B, G and A and started playing it in... In the early bands of my career, and like every beginning band in, in Australia, I reckon, would have played Boys Light Up.
1: Well, even established bands, a band I just finished uh, late last year... You in, played it? ...played Boys Light Up. Really? And it was always a struggle trying to get everyone to play it at the right tempo, because it's not real fast.
0: No, and it's not... Well, actually, everyone we'll tends get into to that push later. It. Yeah. Everyone
1: yeah. tends to push it.
0: It I is, It know. is a lot slower than you think, you're yeah. right. Anyway, so that's semantics. And our history with Australian cruel. <laughs> uh, so number three, I suppose um, this is we're going to have to stretch this out a bit, aren't we? Well, th- no. that won't be hard. But we're this is just stretch things out anyway. We're, but... d- <laughs> we're down to the last three, and it's the only three <laughs> left. So that's
1: all right. A nice little snappy episode.
0: Well, this is where it'll get interesting. I think we've got the same number one, but I reckon we might have these two swapped around. Right, three well, what do you got? Three. Three. I've got boys light up. <gasps>
1: Right. Well, I've got Sons of beaches. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought so. I thought we'd differ a little bit. But for me, The Boys Light Up, I, I had real, I, even, without, even with my number one, these three albums, I think, were really hard to rank because I think they've, they, they spread their great songs out over all three albums and yeah. there's not one album that's particularly, or for me anyway, is not particularly heavy with the best songs of australian crawl so i did find it hard to rank them but boys light up only fell in at number 3 for me because of the first three songs
1: do you like i was just about to say that i actually like my coffee's gone cold i, I think don't. that's a good song can i we'll put it on for a second yeah
2: yeah <laughs>
0: Enough of that.
1: No, that's not bad. Uh, Nice little sections and things to
0: keep it interesting. And I will give it one thing: it's Australian crawl right out of the box, isn't it? First song, first album. You know exactly who it is.
1: Yeah, and
0: this is their debut album as as well. So yeah, Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like from the very from the very off.
1: Yeah, and so they sound a lot more polished and a lot. You know, we were talking about like the Angels' first album and some of the first albums from Australian artists are actually, you know, they sound a little bit like, oh shit, we better get them in the studio real quick. It it sounds like these guys actually had a bit under their belts before they went in. Well, they did.
0: Yeah, they did for sure. And um, that's why I say they're one of the most underrated in Australia because who's ever heard of... If you go up to the the average Joe on the street and ask him who Ian Moss is, they're going to know. Yeah. You go and ask him who Simon Binks is. Yeah. Or or who, Guy McDonough. Or Paul Williams. Or like, Brad Brad Robinson. Yeah, any of that. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. not going to know. Everyone knows Rainzy, of yeah. course, because he's been ponying himself no yeah show ponying himself around <laughs> the place for decades now. But these guys were all very anonymous. Anonymous, but man, they could play. Even just yeah that little that song that I don't like. I love the little binksy guitar lines in there yeah and
1: he's in unusual tone and i suppose like from was that 1980
0: uh 79 i think 79 oh i recorded 79 released 80 yeah
1: so you got bands like acdc and cold chisel and that around at that time oh yeah excuse me um that's a very different sound than what was coming out of Australia. It's almost like a uh, Men at Work kind of like I, I I sort of draw parallels more to Men at Work than Cold Chisel or anything on this first album, but well, I, I don't even think Men at Work were around that. No, album, they were a they? bit
0: a tiny bit later on. They came out after after this, I think. in yeah. like 81, but I think the sound of this album is down to the producer, David Briggs. Right. So it was in Little River band. Right. That, right. Does that remind you of Little River Band, that, that little opening of My Coffee's Gone Cold? Yeah. It does for me.
1: Well, it's a little more sophisticated. It's kind of got that Little River Band sophistication about it, doesn't it? Like the um, different sections. And I was reading the liner notes and Derek Pellucci Derek had played percussion on it, who, of course, was the uh, Little River Band drummer.
0: Oh, well, there you go. And I met him too. He's a lovely fella. Well, this album had the classic lineup on it of um, James Rain, Simon Binks, Bill McDonough who uh so um um Oh what's his name? What's the new drummer's name? Sorry, uh no, 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 the one that came after Bill. Oh, um Buzz. No. Oh, I'll think of it in a minute, sorry. You- Brad <laughs> Brad McDonough. Robinson and uh Paul Williams. But Guy McDonough hadn't joined yet, but he wrote Downhearted, which is the fifth track and where this album really starts. To come into its own. Um, well, what I was
1: thinking about that is, what were they thinking, having downhearted as song number five? Like, and this is the days when you had two sides to an album. So, what's that, not even the last song on the first out, first side? So, wouldn't you wouldn't you think that this is one of the best songs ever written? Did down, they know is that?
0: This, is this your favorite song? Top five song? No. Oh, okay. Well, it could be. It's top ten.
1: I love Downhearted. It's one of the best songs ever written, right? It's
0: bloody fantastic. That's what I, I want to get into Downhearted a little bit.
1: Yeah, so wouldn't you lead with it or at least I don't know. It sort of struck me as weird as it it seems like whoever put it all together and they might have thought that maybe Downhearted wasn't Australian Crawl's strongest kind of thing.
0: Well I think because it was a um I think this band was very much a James Raine vehicle from the from the start, but he didn't write many songs at the start, even though he wrote um, The Boys Light Up and um, uh, what was the other one? I just thought, oh, fucking hell, I'm having a brain blank moment. It wasn't, Bill McDonald was in it for the whole classic period. I was thinking of something else, sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> Downhearted was written by a guy called Sean Higgins. Guy McDonough and Will, uh, Bill McDonough, the drummer. So, I think that there might have been a little bit of hierarchy in, in play here. Maybe that's why it didn't make it further up the list. Oh, okay. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it seemed like maybe it was like a record company decision. Like, you know, in their new bands and stuff, some suit comes in with a ponytail and says, now listen, guys, you've got to open with coffee's going cold because that's your sound, guys.
0: Maybe, yeah. Well, I you know think what that, I mean? And so,
1: so, yeah, why wouldn't... Or even beautiful people or bloody boys light up could have been the lead song but it's down at nine well, so yeah, they no,
0: always bury the title song oh okay that's a, that's a rule isn't it
1: but that's one of their biggest hits as well so oh. i think maybe that the record company and the, and the, why i'm saying this is because the second album i was reading about it and um the second album is uh sirocco Sirocco, how do you say it? Sirocco. Sirocco. Yeah, and they were saying that they went with a different producer because I think they had a bit of a hard time with this first one, as most bands do. David they're...
0: Briggs drove him mad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's that's what I was talking about, like the actual lineup of the songs, which was terribly important back in those days, because you put an album on and it's like you had the first song to grab you to listen to the rest of the album, not like nowadays where you can just pick whatever you want.
0: Well, I should have brought my my vinyl copy because. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost certain that Downhearted was the last song on side A and then Beautiful People was the first oh, song on side B. So okay, that's not well, a bad make, way to flip it. That would make sense. Yeah. That would sense. Anyway, but they did release three, album, uh, three singles off this album, Beautiful People, The Boys Light Up and Downhearted. So probably the three best songs on here, I would argue, except for my favorite Australian Cruel song. Uchi Gucci Fia Uchie, Mama? Correct. Oh,
1: what a song. Can I play it? Of course.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, God.
1: <laughs>
3: Every day I see you wearing things that have never been worn before While the children at the government school send money for the poor And all you buy you bargain for Man. So the pharmaceuticals down to your pile more, your treasured So it's a back beach in the summer, The chalet for the snow You boy, who's your gooch, your field, who's your mama, you got really no place to go. And spill your house upon the hill While your money sold the soul of a rock and roll For some cheap disco for real I've seen your peers pouting over beers The as of joy Sticking and to sex for sensuality And bought into rag roll. Back beach in the summer, the shali-
1: That's as good a vocal performance as you'll ever hear anywhere. Isn't it fantastic?
0: Opinion. And that we, we should say for our international listeners, that is the way he, he sings, and he has got a very Australian accent when he talks, but that was a uh, a signature, I suppose, of James Raine right from the very start, and I think in his later solo career he really played up played up on it even more that you can't and that's a, a, a classic Australian what the kids would call meme these days is that you can't understand a word that James Raine says.
1: Well, I think you can understand everything in that. Oh yeah, but, in that song. But like it I is know very, people.
0: it's very unique, isn't it? The yeah. way that he sings. Yeah, just, and maybe
1: it's because I've listened to it a thousand times. That song, but um, yeah. gee whiz, what an absolutely fantastic song!
0: I won't pretend to understand what the what the the lyrics mean in that. There's a lot of uh, like uh, your tray tray paragon at the end of the first verse, and then. Something uh, like some stony bagatelle. I don't know what a bagatelle is, but it might be a study to go and check it all out. I, I just think of women driving big four wheel drives. Yeah, well, it's very much a, a, <laughs> it's a crack at the upper class, which I yeah. think a lot of Australian crawl songs had that theme in them, like beautiful people. Yeah, um, and even boys light up. Um, the The whole theme of that song seems to be a, a stab at the at the uh, the hoy yeah. Can I say Hoy polloi"? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Antiques flown in from Venice fill your house upon the hill, while your money sold the soul love. The so, money sold the soul love of rock and roll for some cheap disco thrill. Says James, because <laughs> he wrote this, didn't he? He did. With, yeah. uh, He'd write it with David Briggs, who I don't know who David Briggs is. That's a producer from oh, Little River Band. Oh, well, there you go. Was he, was he the piano player? Well, I on don't know that as if well? it was him or Eddie Rayner from Split Ends, because they're both credited. It kind
1: of sounds like Eddie Rayner, I reckon. And not that I'm that familiar, but but I don't know. Well, I, I'd like to think that it's Eddie Rayner.
0: If James wrote the wrote that piano line on that, because I don't know if he's the sole songwriting um, credit, then I presume he wrote the music as well. It's pretty sophisticated. Oh, no, sorry, David Briggs David might have Briggs, written the music, yeah, so he yeah. might have been the... It's but very, not, very
1: nice. He's not credited as actually playing on the album, but um, yeah, Jeez, yeah. what, what a song, bloody hell.
0: Uh, yeah, so Beautiful People had that theme running through it, I think, um, Robert Palmer T-shirts and your travel in bag travel and stuff bag. like that, that's got some fantastic lyrics on it. And, yeah, um, which I
1: suppose kind of
0: plays into the
1: upper, you know, the North Shore of Sydney and there were the surfy dudes and... You know, maybe they went out with some rich girls or something. I don't know. It's it's very evocative. Oh I yeah, think, very all of much those so. sort of lyrics, so. which
0: always confuses me because I always like Mount Eliza is a very nice. Well, it's, there's a lot of big sort of properties around there, but the Mornington Peninsula as a whole is a very nice, very uh, wealthy area. Was I'll it be- like that back in the eighties? Oh, I presume so. It's it's got that sort of f- f- flavour about it. If that makes sense, it's very very not ritzy but it just stinks of money and i don't think well james rain was um born in zimbabwe or somewhere wasn't he i think he was the son of a diplomat or something like that so i don't think he was particularly hard up no but a lot yeah maybe he just had some bad experiences at school with rich kids or something (laughs) because it was very vitriolic at the start Uh, um, He
1: was born in Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, there you go. His father is an English-born former Royal Marine. There you go. So they wouldn't have been poor. No. No. But he was an army brat, maybe. Moved around a lot. Yeah, maybe. That's what they call army brats, don't they? So, uh, yeah, he's educated at the Peninsula School and studied at the Victorian College of Arts. So, yeah, I don't think he was kind of... Scumbag (laughs) (laughs) No He wasn't like Michelle and Ferret Down at the the doll office Maybe uh, Maybe the others in the band Maybe he's kind of trying to no, all of,
0: all of the all of the uh, those sort of songs were were written by James. Like, written by James, okay, yeah. So Boys yeah. light up, beautiful people, uh, Hoochie Gucci, and um, um, so yeah. So I, mean, I, a... I presume it's just a chip on his shoulder. But mm, anyway,
1: maybe he's having a crack at his dad.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so Ind- indisposed <laughs> was written. Uh, James got hit by a car. Oh, and um, had both broke broke both of his wrists, and indisposed was written about that. About oh. him being indisposed, and uh, when they first appeared on Countdown, the famous Australian TV show on a Sunday night, their debut, they sang "Beautiful People" on the show, and James's both James's arms are encased in plaster. You can look that up on YouTube.
1: Mm, there you go. I haven't seen
0: that. It's all lip-synced, but it's still a terrific performance.
1: Right. Well, there you go. So you had that at number three, and I had it at two.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I, I, just, I just teed off on it and no, automatically. But that's but good. It, that's, what, that's what the show's about. We've got to talk about it somehow, don't we? Well,
1: that's it. And I, I, I actually, it's funny you say that you didn't like the first three songs, and I was like that when I uh, first listened to it, but I persisted with them and actually don't not mind them. But then again, I'm. it's kind of got that reggae kind of feel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, are you? Like, and I, I always thought that some of their earlier sort of things like this were a little bit like policey. Dare I say it? And yeah. I know you hate you know, the police.
0: You know how I feel about the police. Not
1: kind of, yeah. So, but the I, band think was, of,
0: I, I love the actual police. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you couldn't avoid it, I don't think, back then, because the police were huge. And I suppose you got all these producers that have so much say, more say than what they do nowadays, I suppose, like uh, in what a band sounds like. So they're probably saying, look, the police just sold 400 billion albums. So you guys got to do the same thing. So I can understand it. Where those influences come in, whether the guys wanted it or not. Yeah, but
0: I don't get much of it. It's only that first, oh, man, crazy's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and
1: that kind of guitar sound and very clean. And
0: But mm. then that, that riff on Beautiful People showed immediately what they were best at. Like well, that, meow, 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 meow. it's, it's rocking. Yeah, should we play a bit of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: We travel.
1: sophisticated isn't it oh yeah it's no three chord wonder like that's that's a lot going on in that song like even that little harpsichordy sort of sounding keyboard that's in the background there like that's it's it's very there's a lot going on and one of my
0: favorite examples of why brad robinson is one of my favorite uh rhythm guitar players that he is isn't he he's one of your favorites so good that and and a classic example of that twin uh, that australia i mean the, well, Red Simon's has got a. a, a I, I saw an interview with him years ago, and somebody was saying, uh, "What do you what do you attribute the the classic twin Australian guitar sound to?" And he sort of had this blank look on his face and stared at the interviewer, and he went, um, "The Beatles, the Rolling Stones," <laughs> and the interviewer went, "Right." <laughs> <laughs> so it's certainly not a unique thing to Australia, but I ser- I do think that. Australian bands have the most unique twin guitar attack. Like there's su- I don't know what it is about it, but they 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 play such complementary lines and as a guitar player I know how difficult it is to sit down and and compose a, a two guitar tracks that sound different but you know marry up together yeah. to make one and Australian band sisters seem to do it effortlessly. Like that song there, those two guitars are doing wildly different things, but they sound so good together.
1: Yeah. Mm. There you go. Let's see, I just learned something then. But uh, he died pretty young, didn't he? He was like 35 or something, Brad Robinson. I think he died from.
0: Yeah, 37. He had uh, lymphoma. Lymphoma, I think. there you go. But he led, a, he led a very, very interesting life. He was, a he was. I think he managed Mark Philippousis. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, the the oh. famous Australian tennis player. He was his manager for a while. He was a, a producer, record producer. Um, he married Kerry Armstrong, her out of Prisoner. Oh, right. <laughs> um, he, he squeezed a lot into his 37 years, but he had a car accident too. And um, like I said before, and, and had a little bit of um, brain damage and went through all kinds of legal battles. But each, I think he was in line for nearly $1 million payout from the council where he crashed he crashed in a council like a work site and um they subsequently proved that he was drunk
1: oh i was gonna say yeah it sounds like all these car crashes all when drink driving was a bit more rampant and not as policed i suppose but
0: then he argued that the alcohol reading came from another driver not him and it carried on for years and years Uh anyway um uh, yeah, he died in I think 19 mm-hmm. Ah, sorry 2000. Yeah, just
1: a little read up of him and he managed the Shantoozi. There you go. Yeah, there the go with, uh, David Rain was in the Shantoozi. He was. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, what's I don't think Toddy Shant- Goldsmith. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to do the Shantoozi <laughs> though on the show, but uh, no. good, good on good on him.
0: Yeah, he was a very interesting character and one hell of a guitar player was um was Brad Robinson. Hmm. Yeah, so that was my number three, Boys Light Up, and right, yours well, that was... was. my number two, and mine was... Sun, um... Now, why did you put Sons of Beaches behind Boys Light Up?
1: Right, I just had to check that actually Sons of Beaches was number three, and it was. Uh, because there's some just some bad songs on it. That bloody King Sap.
0: Yeah, that's the worst one.
1: Awful. But... <laughs> It's well, hang on, the,
0: it's a boogie-woogie. That's your favourite.
1: <laughs> no, that's my non-favourite. Oh, non-favourite, So, Sorry. there you go. And I don't know, it's got Daughters of the Northern Coast on it. And I just didn't, I, I think like starting with Runaway Girls just doesn't really, I don't you,
0: know. You're big on this album opener thing, oh, aren't yeah, you? yeah,
1: I think. Well, now that I've um, that, gone back to actually listening to albums, it's got to get me. you got to. You got to get me in the first 10 seconds because I've got a bad... Attention span, you know,
0: like most kids my age. I don't think Runaway Girls is a bad song. It's okay, but it's no, you know,
1: doesn't smack you over the face or
0: anything. Okay. Well, I think it's it's got more better songs on it than Boys Light Up, which is obvious because I've put it higher. Well, there you go. What do you got? What do
1: you think? (laughs) Letter from
0: Zimbabwe. Yeah, it's a great song. I think uh, Midlife Crisis is one of, it's in my top five. Let's put a bit of that on. Midlife crisis, yeah. here we go. The bomb back
3: from Brazil and down to frenzy. The sun, dark. No change in them, sandy. The in Asia. The running naked body of ocean. The from America there for dream of shine sitting sit around there with the lamp so low to stir it up and then letting it go free It's very definitely company
1: It's just that I know what it is that bothers me about that song. It's just that there's that bit in that pre chorus where I just don't think the chords are right. <laughs> <laughs> where he's talking about the Afro But just before that bit, there's just something about that Of course them. they're bloody right. <laughs> well they don't sound right to me.
0: You hear that the chorus in that kills me that last bit there that we just heard. because um, 'cause it's got Guy McDonough chiming in on the vocals, which to me is that's the sound of Australian crawl is James and Guy singing together. Right. Oh God, I love it. So much. The those guys together were like uh, Mossy and Barnsy. Yeah, well, you can
1: hear that in Downhearted, of course. Oh, it's and, so good. Uh, yeah. Well,
0: so. now that you mention it, Downhearted, that, that is on this album as well as Boys Light Up, and it's a different version. Now, I want to get your opinion about which one you prefer. Right. Well, let's have a listen to this one that's on this album. Okay, so there's the that's the re recorded version on the third album, Sons of Beaches. Now the first version of course was on Boys Light Up, let's hear that one.
1: think i still prefer that one
0: the other one's got more
1: swagger though
0: it's i kinda... love i love the the sons of beaches version i think just a tad more just because of that pre-chorus section because it mm. it lends itself more to the to that fucking amazing chorus uh, the way it builds into it i love it yeah, I don't know. I think this chorus
1: stands out more in that version. This th- That one just sent off of um, Boys Light Up. Oh, do you reckon? Yeah, I think because it's got the dun, dun, do yeah. do dun, dun. Like it kind of, it's like, okay, here's the chorus. So it's a lot more obvious, that one, and it's a lot more of a kind of single, I suppose.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not even sure why they re-recorded it. I think that might have, the Sons of Beaches version might have been a demo version that that they changed for the first album and then they decided they liked the demo version better and re-recorded it for this yeah, one. Yeah, we'll
1: see. That's what I, that, that first album just reeks of record company interference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Stinks of it.
1: Um Geez, yeah. I love a sax solo though. if I had my way, every song would have a sax solo in no, it somewhere. Nice like... and smoky, isn't it? You can hear him
0: breathing through it going <laughs> <laughs> Like breathing out the side of the reed. You know when sax players do yeah, that, not they? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but ah oh, geez, what either, a way, either, either way, either version. What either a way, song. it's one of the great it's one of the great songs. Remember written.
0: we we tried to play it a couple of times oh, in, God. A, in yep. a duo, didn't we?
1: Oh, did we? Yeah. We're we gonna do it this Sunday? <laughs>
0: Why not? <laughs> I think
1: we should. I think we, we'll be better at it now.
0: Well, you say that people play Boys Light Up too quick. I think people play Downhearted too slow. Too slow. It's yeah, because
1: I think they're thinking that it's a yeah, it's a bit maudlin. No. It's not
0: really. It's got... It's, it's, no, he left but, his heart back in the Orient. Oh, yeah. Down, balabay. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well, well, you go, missed that bit in the second version. In the version. second version, yeah,
1: because yeah, I was singing along and uh, I was singing that bit that isn't but, in
0: it. You can hear that. Look, he was talking about sophisticated songs before. That thing has got all kinds of stuff going on underneath it, like little slide bits from... Oh, from, yeah, from uh,
1: Keyboard parts.
0: and oh. Yeah, from Binksy. What a guitar player that kid is. Well still now, is he is yeah. he the guy that still plays with him? He no no, he doesn't uh that's he's got
1: Who's that guy that was on remember Hammerhead and all the singles and you used to see him on MTV and that? Who is the guy with the Pointy Jackson guitar and the oh, single
0: yeah, I'm not sure who that is. You know, yeah, he's got know. a couple of young fellas playing with him now, as well as some old stager uh Kingsman, is it? Brett Kingman still uh he plays with him, does he? It's kinda there's a revolving door
1: of Melbourne, Sydney, Muso's, that mm. play with those guys, and they're all, they're all awesome. They're all amazing. But uh, but O's played with him the whole time. I think yeah on well, drums. Well, so. Br-
0: Brett Kingman reminds me, of from what I've seen of John Watson, they're ve- they're a very particular type of Australian musician. They've got that Australian <laughs> been around forever musician. Uh, personality yeah you'd know exactly what i was well you know what i'm talking yeah, about. yeah i know what you're talking yeah. about anyway um yeah so that and i think i i, spo- I might have misspoke before when i said that hoochie coochie hoochie gucci, fioroochie mama is my favorite yeah uh,
1: down hard it's got to be up there right no
0: well, i think it might be daughters of the northern coast oh it? okay well let's yeah. play that there oh for please second. play that
1: Australian music again, giving everyone a masterclass in how to sing harmonies.
0: Oh, so good! Like who's
1: so, who's singing the harmonies? And that is that guy McDonough. That's Guy. Far out!
0: He's so good, Guy McDonough. It was such a. We should talk about him, I suppose, before we get too much further. Um, like we said before, joined 1980. He joined uh, after the the first album? Yeah, 81.
1: So he wrote some songs on the first album and then actually joined on rhythm guitar. And uh, Bill, the drummer, is his older brother, isn't he?
0: That's right. And so uh, for the most of their classic period, they had three guitar players, two two rhythm and one lead, which was very unusual. But um, yeah, he was a driving force behind the band, but was unfortunately a drug addict. Mm, A heroin addict, wasn't he? Like mm -hmm. a lot of...
1: People, a lot of Australian musicians back in those sort of days,
0: yeah. And I'm, I'm almost certainly that James Rain's song, his solo song Hammerhead, is about it, it'd
1: have to be Guy McDonough, yeah. So, and he died of pneumonia, I think, didn't he? Well, oh, complications, complications. So, he died of died from drugs, very but sad, yes. Yeah, uh, very sad, very talented man, very great songwriter. Like, we're oh. gonna, um. Incredible, we're going to get into that on the next album, I suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, there's a very interesting point about Guy that um always blows people's minds that we'll get to in the next yeah. album, but yeah, uh, that that song there, I'm sorry, I digressed. Um, no. that shows to me how you can write because that chord progression is very kind of wild thing, yeah, you know, Louie Louie. What, what do they
1: call that one, four, five, or something? Oh, or? It's,
0: I think it's got four in it, but um. <laughs> Four chords instead of three. Oh, instead of three. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's very sort of um, boring until James just um, makes it interesting, I suppose, yeah. with his phrasing and his and those lyrics are great. Um, it's about the drug trade on um, you know, up around Grafton and, and up around Don Walker area. Ah, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and well, they say the heads are just in. Remember when everyone used to call it heads? Head. <laughs> You got any head? You got any heads? (laughs) Heads. Oh, geez, they're nice big heads. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but they're too risky to score. Um, Mm. And they're talking about uh, took a ride on a bin train, those um, big freight trains that run up through that area. It's very evocative, the lyrics in that. Fantastic. And uh, that chorus is just amazing.
1: Yeah, when they both chime in and, yeah, like Guy takes the high part. Yeah. yeah, He's a very, very unique singer, James Rain, isn't he? He's He's a wonderful singer. Like... Technic- technically he's great oh. isn't he? like there's never never any kind of weird note like never flat or sharp or anything no like. and he
0: had a very unique fr- phrasing technique that nobody ever yeah. copied um
1: people kind of take the piss out of him not being able to understand him but i think it's just the way he sings like
0: yeah and that's fair enough everybody yeah. puts on a bit of an accent when they sing don't they
1: well i don't think any of it's put on i think I don't know, it's just, you know, like, I, I think when he actually opened his mouth to sing, that's just how it came out. I don't think he actually puts anything on, does he? Yeah, it? maybe you're right. Because well, yeah. you, you can hear when people put it on. I don't think there's anything fake about
0: him at all. No, no. And and it's very difficult to sing with any kind of authenticity when you're Australian. I think. Well, that's true as well. Yeah, because the <laughs> Australian up accent so yeah. Australian. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself to singing at all. I don't think because you end up sounding like <laughs> Slim Dusty.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he makes it work, doesn't he? He's A tremendous high register as well. Oh, like, like, yeah.
0: yeah Anyway, that's uh, so well, that's. Well, that leads yeah. us into our number one, which is. Um, unanimous, I suppose. But like I say, I did struggle a little bit. I almost put this number two.
1: Oh, I don't think it was ever any... There was never any doubt.
0: No, it was just the the consistency of it that got it over the line for me.
1: Well, it's wall to wall. I don't think there's a dud. I honestly don't think
0: there's a dud song on it. Oh, there's a couple that I could probably do without.
1: Maybe trusting you might be my
0: only dud. I think Love Beats Me Up is my least Uh, favourite.
1: Okay, well, yeah, of course we're talking about... Do you guys pronounce it Siroc- Sirocco? Sirocco. which is the name of
0: Errol Flynn's boat. Yeah. Well, I only know how to pronounce it because he says it in the but lyrics But he says Sirocco.
1: Errol. Yeah, Sirocco. Sirocco. We'll yeah. call it Sirocco. And well, yes, you don't it's say like... Sirocco <laughs> like he says it on the song, do you? No. Uh. Well, I, I just think this is just just a wonderful album. and um, Superb. And I suppose anything that opens with Things Don't Seem... Let's listen to that. So this is how this album opens.
0: Thanks, sister. No, i seem to. Oh, going right. <laughs>
1: album that starts with a guitar solo <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's, an you, al- yeah. that's an opener that's how you open an album it in, is a good uh straight out of the gate in my honest opinion
0: now you saying that you you can understand James come on you can't understand a fucking word in that song don't tell me you can did you know that it was you don't tell me you knew that it was things just well, that don't seem to be going right. In the chorus, I used to think it was. No, 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 hang I, no, no, I thought it said <laughs> <Yeah>. "Dawn Treader." <laughs> Dawn it's, Treader.
2: <laughs> it's
1: no worse than cheap wine and three-day growth, in my opinion. But yeah, I think when you're a kid, you don't really know because you don't have access to lyrics and that as easily. But oh, unless you got the album cover. But
0: I don't think this one's got the lyrics in it.
1: Well, I was gonna. I'm not a big lyrics kind of guy, and I've got a terrible memory for lyrics. Not like you, like I, I've. Oh, oh, i'm just hopeless at remembering lyrics and that so it's i'm not a big lyric guy but anything that's got a nice sing-along kind of chorus i'm i'm done yeah. but yeah thanks just don't seem <laughs> to go but that's what makes him kind of unique like that style of singing oh yeah is,
0: yeah but uh, yeah but i, <coughs> I know like you, you can understand where the the whole uh thing comes from that james is unintelligible because that's oh yeah proves it but yeah fantastic and then the next one, Unpublished Critics. What oh. a fucking... God, we, we, well, we used do... to play this song, didn't we? Yeah. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. <laughs> but, but there's
1: two versions of this as well. There's a live version that they kind of, with the big drum machine and all of that. And it's yeah, like yeah. a halftime thing. It's, it's not, not good. <laughs> 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 like that kind of thing, which, yeah, it's it's not. And I think maybe when we were kind of learning it, maybe that was the version I had. I don't know. But it's a great song, just a great rock and roll song, isn't it? Oh, bloody hell, I'm going to put it on. Well, I think you should. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. What a great song. Like, fucking hell. Isn't like, it a like, What a great
0: song. What a melody that is. That is
1: that on any of their greatest hits or anything? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, God. What a great song that is. Like, far as If you just want to, like, rock and roll song. But I can see why they got three guitarists now. Like, that's a good example of them having three guitarists because there's all those little slide kind of swells and then there's, like, you know, like, there might have been... One of them just didn't play anything until it was his turn, and oh, I well, just
0: I'll regret to this day not not learning that slide guitar line for the for our version of it in the band that yeah. we used to play because we played that every gig, <laughs> <laughs> and it's
1: all the way I played, I played it completely <laughs> wrong, but and it's all the way through that song too. It's kind of <laughs> like little swells and yeah, and the harmonies. Oh God, yeah, I well, just not sing those harmonies. I just can't. Not that I could have. Well, I probably could have. Um, I'm going to from now on.
0: Now, you know, you, you're you aware of the controversy behind this song, I presume? No. Tell really? me about it. Well, what do you think it sounds like? Oh, as far as
1: it's a rip-off, do you think?
0: Well, they, they claim... Well, actually, I've never heard Australian... Cro- well, actually, I did see James at a live concert, uh, Tongue in Cheek, reference this. But oh. there's a lot of people think that a very, very famous band ripped this song off completely for one of their... Well, their biggest hit ever.
1: What was it? I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, there could be, there's probably a heap of songs that have got that sort of progression, right?
0: Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, okay. Do you reckon.
1: Well, you know what? Guns N' Roses were aware of Australian rock and roll music. Oh, very much so. They were big Rose Tattoo fans, weren't they? And the Angels. And the Angels. So there's no reason why they wouldn't have known about. Oh, well, do you think they dis- they, dis- they disguised it enough?
0: Well, I don't know. And they were both signed to Geffen Records around this time in the US. Mm. So there's a very a very strong argument that, that Guns N' Roses... Because a lot of people say, no, no way that an LA glam rock band would have heard of this band. But there's a lot of evidence to say that they would have had this album. Yeah. But I don't think they sound... I mean, it's a very similar chord progression and you could probably play Slash's famous guitar intro over the top of those chords and it'd fit straight in, yeah. but I don't think there's enough similarities to to um, to um make a claim on it. I think Unpublished Critics is a better song.
1: Yeah. Probably hasn't been, didn't make as much money. No, I wouldn't have bought them as many guitar-shaped <laughs> swimming pools, but
0: yeah. anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, then Love Beats Me Up. I've already said that yeah. I'm not a huge fan of this one, but you don't mind it apparently.
1: I don't know, mind it. It fits in. It's just one of the one of the. It's part of the bigger picture, but then of course it's followed by my favourite of all. Is this your favourite? All this is my favourite of all. Oh no, not you again! So this
0: is the one that would be in your top five. This would be
1: my top three songs of all ever. time, ever. Except the only bit I don't like in it is that George. what's he do uh, just before the solo? Ah, oh, I got to listen to it now. But have a listen to this if you're unfamiliar with this song. But so this is Guy McDonough
0: yeah well, um, this sings is it. yeah, this is one that always blows people's minds. and
1: if and you're I'll- out there listening and you're today years old and you and this is <laughs> you know, where you, how old were you when you realized that this isn't James Rain singing?
0: Well, it wasn't that long ago for me, and I've been oh, well, a fan for a long say. time. He and
1: sounds similar to James, uh, almost identical. Yeah, and um, it was a few years ago that I realised. Well, I don't know what made me. What made oh, I didn't come across this on my own. Maybe someone told me that it wasn't James Wayne singing. But anyway, let's have a listen.
0: Sing it. <laughs> I don't want, to
1: get done. don't want to get done. for copyright.
0: But <laughs> now, man, Binksy Oh, wow, there's just some.
1: Uh, you know, just some songs that just like, When you start tearing up. <laughs> that yeah. was me just then. I don't know. Like me and Flame Trees. If you're a child of the '80s, there's just something about like that's almost like everyone's mum and dad. <laughs> I don't know. Not that not that your dad's out mucking up on your mum or whatever, but you know, sometimes he gets home a bit late and <laughs> <laughs> she got the table set and he comes through the door like five hours later <laughs> with
0: Chinese under his arm and yeah, you know, I don't know, there's just something. Um, our mum never had the table set though. <laughs> you can put that in the bank. <laughs> Take it to the bank. Ah, yeah, just, a, you
1: know what I mean. It's very, it's,
0: it's, it's evocative, isn't it? Oh,
1: yeah, and, you know, knocking on the wrong door—that could be, <laughs> that could be like that. He's out mucking up, could, or, or, or you he's just last like, weekend. well, that's what I mean. Like, who hasn't knocked on the wrong door? That takes me back to Lambert Street in Bathurst where there was five flats, and they all looked pretty similar. <laughs> and you would walk into one and. It was the opposite of yours. I tried to I walk home to Lambert
0: it. Street one night and ended up in Mount Panorama.
1: Yeah, I know. You went the wrong way. You knocked on the wrong door. But uh, just everything
0: about that song is just
1: perfect. <laughs> yeah,
0: and R- and Rainsy chiming in with the harmonies. It doesn't matter which way around they are. They're, they're very, very good together. Oh, Poor just. old Guy. I've got his solo album, you know, and it's very good.
1: Well, yeah, because Guy and Bill put out an album... Was it, was it like the McDonough Brothers or something? Or what oh, did they? I
0: didn't know about that. I know oh, that I'm they, sure put, they, did. I'm they sure. put guys one out after he died.
1: Oh, no, I'm sure they did an album together, the McDonough Brothers or something. But, um, hmm. gee, he's a good drummer. Far I was out. just like, going like, to say, he's, like, he's got a swing, just, hasn't he? He's definitely got a swing. Like yeah. that Australian 80s drummer swing that Steve Presswich had. And he, yes. had, he had it. And I'll tell you who else had it. Jerry Spicer out of Men at Work. I like, do,
0: now that I'm looking at it, I do know Ron Strickett and um and the guy that died killed himself,
1: yeah, the sax player that got sued um, Greg Ham Greg Ham. Greg, no. Greg yeah, someone him was yeah, Greg Ham, yeah, they all had that swing about him, those Australian drummers, and I'm proud to say that i I'm influenced by all of them. And I love them all. I love them all. Did Wa play with men at work? I reckon he did Oh, uh, no they, I don't think he did. they had Chad Wackerman for some uh for an amount of time. And we can get into that later about American Imports coming in and playing with Australian drummers because uh, uh, American Imports playing with Australian bands, I should say, because there's a big, rich history of that.
0: He did. John Watson drums, 96 to 97.
1: Well, there you go. Watson has uh, played with everybody.
0: So, Oh No No, You Again was released as a single with Guess What on the B-Side. I don't know.
1: Lakeside, lakeside, oh, geez, lakeside. Which is the song after it? So, yeah. like, and you, I defy anybody to listen to Lakeside and not have it stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Well, how
0: how strong a band do you have to be to put Lakeside on a B side yeah, of a single?
1: That's, that's your yeah, that's your weaker material, and like, it, it's it's as good a
0: song as anything on this album. Oh, what a great riff it starts with! Put that on too. It Starts with that
1: bling. <laughs> how high they've got the bass mixed in that in this whole
0: album yeah that i think that was a bit of a hallmark you can always hear uh, the bass really well in these songs which is unusual for a three guitar yeah
1: wouldn't it, yeah, wouldn't you think that like all the guitarists are get in the mixing room and say, no, no, it's got to be on top? But, um, yeah, whoever mixed all this stuff, and I've got a strong suspicion that Mark Opitz might have had something to do with at least the mixing and engineering of these albums. Well,
0: it goes back to what I said about the, the, com- the composition of these songs with, with the two or three guitar players and how clever you have to be to do it, but to do it as a bass player as well and not get in the way. And conversely, the guitar's not getting in the way of the bass because it doesn't matter how well it's mixed. If you're playing, yeah. you know, similar things, Treading and it's going to get over everyone's toes. Yeah, it's going to get lost. But yeah, they're playing really over the top of it. Man.
1: But yeah, like, um, and how locked in the bass player in the bass drum. Like, so of course, um, Paul Williams. Who
0: again? If you like, say, oh, who's your favorite bass player? Whoever says Paul Williams, nobody. Like, and says second. He's only the second most famous Tubby in Australia too, <laughs> Paul Tubby Williams. So, um, imagine having it. the nickname tubby, tubby, and then Mark Taylor comes along comes and, steals on and steals your bloody yeah, thunder. You say,
1: hang in a second! I was a bass player in Australian <laughs> Crawl for yeah, fuck's sake. Give me here. back my nickname. Like I was more fam- I was famous before you, but then everyone goes, "Well, you're not famous because I don't know who you are." Uh, but they should. Um, and the other thing I should say is. The Peisty Symbol Company have got Australian bands to thank for math- massive sales because there's a particular brand of Piesty Symbols that they all use, I'm sure of it. The 2002, which is what John Bonham is very famous for using. In, in you don't Pace. reckon John and, had a bit to do with the well, sales? Well, geez, I'll tell you what, bloody hell, it's the sound of Australian music, I reckon. Is it, a, and you can tell it's them because they're a very glassy kind of symbol.
0: So do you reckon and, that was just the set that that Billy Hyde Drumcraft had in <laughs> well, at that particular yeah, well. time because that's a kit you always used to see on exactly. the TV. and they used to
1: import Piesty cymbals ah. there as well, So, and everybody played them at one point. But, um, yeah, geez, well, good sounding, nice and clean. I love it. I love the production. And sorry, it's not Mark Opitz. It's uh, engineered by Dave Marrett, never heard of him, and produced by Peter Dawkins.
0: Who's Peter Dawkins?
1: So Peter Dawkins actually had a bit to do with a few... Bigger sort of bands, I think, um, in the day, I think he produced uh, Billy Thorpe. Oh, here we go. Billy Thorpe, Air Supply, Dragon, John Farnham. So, there you go. He's pretty much the sound of the early 80s. Oh, he, he
0: produced My Sex Computer Games. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, that's one of my favorite sounding records ever. Yes. There you go. Yes. Kiwi guy. Oh, okay. Of so course he's Corsi Kiwi. Kiwis are
1: good at everything.
0: <laughs> they are. Uh, they are. Make uh, you sick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, so then so, uh, Trusting You is the next song after that, which is... Well, did is, that open up the
1: second side, do you uh, think? I don't know. I, I should have bought so, my bloody record. Lake, I? I? would say Lakeside's probably... Lakeside would Lakeside, have been... That.
0: Lakeside, Lakeside, Lakeside. Well, maybe
1: Trusting You is the last song because it's not a real banger. But then, of course, you got Errol. Jesus Christ.
0: Another one sung by Guy McDonough that yeah. everybody thinks is James. Written by James Rain too, and Guy, yeah, and Guy A So, co-write.
1: yeah. So that, that again, well, you got to, how's the balls on Guy McDonough to say I oh, will, you know, Rain Jamesy Rainzy, <laughs> you you wrote it, but I'm going to sing it.
0: <laughs> so because I'd say that James Rain probably wrote the lyrics, did he? Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they do sound very Jamesy the the lyrics, but um, yeah, because now that you mention that, oh no, not you again. I was going to bring that up before. Is very unlike it's not it, it, it there's no sort of uh abstract themes or anything yeah. it, it's very straight it's to very the point. straight yeah it's, whereas it's, yeah all of the rest of the, especially the james rain written ones are very like uh lakeside like the lyrics in that are all over the place about uh panel van street yacht club dancing um, I got a terrific Tarana, a green hand going to wave bye bye, like all that, uh, from the frozen goods section, the delicatessen. I've seen them racing by. Yeah, so I am um, almost certain that he wrote the lyrics. But I was going to say James Rain has always stood out to me as a very egotistical kind of guy, but I think I'm completely wrong. I don't think he is. I think he's a nicer, a way nicer bloke than I would ever give him credit for.
1: I don't think I've heard any horror stories about people working with him. No, um,
0: I don't know where I get my opinion. Yeah, from. I don't
1: know. He, he's got a bit of a persona as being maybe a little bit standoffish, or I don't know. I don't know.
0: I just think he seems like a. Now that I know, like now that YouTube exists and you can watch all these old things with him. And especially later stuff, he just seems like a really humble sort of nice fellow. But for whatever reason, I just had it in my head that he. But then, like you say, to let to let guys sing on this song when, uh, because you watch the. The clips of them doing this song and James is just standing up the back. He have not even got a tambourine or anything. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Just get out of the way if exactly. you're not doing
1: anything. And it's like the third guitarist, like the three guitarists kind of thing. Like imagine if they're up the front doing shit. And,
0: yeah. uh, oh, and I should mention that too. We've already mentioned the three guitar players. James Rain is a very good guitar he player. He is a
1: good guitar player. And who, who covered the keyboard parts live? Did one of the guitarists do? I don't even know. Maybe they had it sequenced. All the live stuff sounds a little bit
0: maybe like, they didn't have i can't I can't remember hearing any keyboards yeah on, on well maybe phones. they left
1: um maybe they left left all the keyboard parts out or just covered it in guitar one guitar or something, but well, they'd still work, yeah, uh so yeah, yeah, but I've never heard any horror stories about and you always hear it from production type guys, you know, like guys who work you know, roadie types or sound guys or monitor engineers and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, oh, you know, James Ryan came through the other day and he was a nightmare.
0: Mm. So good. That's
1: good. Good on him.
0: Yeah, bless him. Yeah, He's so good. Errol. And then uh, for me, the rest of the album kind of is, uh, Can I Be Sure is a really good song. Uh, Easy On Your Own was written by Brad Robinson and Carrie Armstrong, his wife yeah. at the time, as well as Binksy. Uh, and then... The last two love were, boys is written by Bill McDonough. Yeah, well, he had a few. Uh, uh, he wrote trusting you with with guy, and he wrote a couple on um, boys light up too, I think. But you have got to remember, this is only their second album. That's what I always find hard to believe about this album. It seems like a a really mature sort of later career effort, but yeah. they were still kind of getting getting their shit together at this stage.
1: And that's how many Australian bands' their second albums are awesome. Mm. Like and it's usually it's like oh well they've got all their good material on the first album the second album's a dud mm. but this is oh, I think there's been a few times where the second album's been the best like the Angels second album was Face to Face wasn't it
0: yes uh, now so this this album also uh, this will show you how big it was in Australia uh, it uh, at the end of 1981 uh sirocco was at number two behind double fantasy by john lennon and a- ahead of acdc's ACD- back in black <laughs> that's
1: extraordinary <laughs> back in
0: black went on to be the greatest selling album of all time well they would have had to sell a shitload of records to get above back in black in 1981 wouldn't yeah. it
1: well yeah unless it came out at earlier in the year and Back in black came out later. I don't know, but
0: no, it came out in 1980. So I suppose it had, oh. it had petered out a little bit, but oh, it, it, it it was yeah. still selling truckloads of albums. And if you see, uh, James Rain's got some isolation concerts up on YouTube at his house, and you can certainly see where uh, see that the royalties are still. Flowing in nicely for James. Oh, I
1: was just about to say, like, and then they undid it all with the last album that cost him a
0: bomb. I don't think that that affected James oh, particularly.
1: Right. So James is doing all right, is he? Well, oh. well, he's been busy, and he had his solo career and everything. Oh, and he yeah. hasn't ever stopped working. Like he's always touring. So.
0: Oh, and those those first couple of solo albums of his sold millions and yeah, millions yeah, of that albums. Was
1: like when you get into the stratosphere, kind of. Remember, he did sales. that.
0: Did he do a song with with Dazza Braithwaite? Yeah.
1: And he's done songs with a whole bunch of people. Oh, he
0: did do that piece of shit. He One did that. One river. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah,
1: and didn't he? He did Way Out West with James. Oh, what's he his did name? Too, with James, James Blundell. Blundell and,
0: um, the Singing Lamb. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey, he's done a toy. Hasn't he done like some <laughs> Olivia Newton John collabos and all sorts oh, of stuff? I so don't he gets even know. himself involved. Like, oh, uh, well, he's
0: making bank. Good on him. Yeah. He's got a beautiful house. Lives in, still lives in Mount Eliza.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Well, maybe.
0: Right next door to Coxie. Does he? Yeah. Wow. Well, not next door, but yeah. just around the corner from Andrew Cox from the Foves. Wow. Yeah. yeah has like Coxie to... got that much money?
1: No, he hasn't. He,
0: his, he lives either with either. his mum and dad. <laughs> oh, okay. But I like to think that, that James comes around sometimes for songwriting tips from Coxie and oh. vice versa, and they get together for a, a custard tart down the main street. <laughs> I don't think that happens. Oh, I'd love, to, I'd love to think of that. Well, it, if he
1: did, then everyone's
0: estimation of James would go right through the roof. Well, the Fove's cover Lakeside quite often. Oh, do they? Yeah. yeah they, they, do like, they There's do. a famous scene in 15 Minutes to Rock, the Fove's documentary, where they're all... Trying to convince Coxie to go back out on stage after a gig and he doesn't want to. And they're saying, Come on, Coxie. And he's going, No, I don't fucking want to, boys. And they're saying, Come on, just we'll go and do Lakeside. (laughs) And that's what gets him out. No, (laughs) he doesn't.
1: doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to watch that again. We're going to do the Faves one day because they're one of of our favourites. And so that's definitely coming up, the Faves. Yeah. Uh, so so, bone up and go and have a listen to some of their albums before we do that. But uh,
0: well, that might just about
1: do I us for this say, week's episode. It, I've eh? that, and we still managed to go for an hour and a half. So really, uh, yeah, yeah. I like there's a we lot gonna... to lot to talk about with such a wonderful band, Australian Crawl, and I, like I think they're very underrated, hugely, very underrated. You talk about and and we almost not that we forgot about them, but they weren't all that high up on on our list of people. You know, you think uh Midnight Oil and Mental as anything kind of got to run before him, but so they we even underrated them a bit. But I think they got some of the best songs of all time.
0: Oh, for sure. And they're still, I still pull them out and listen to them to this day, like you know, not, not as a nostalgia trip, but just you know, just something you to listen him. to. Yeah, because yeah, you, yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, have we decided on next episode?
1: No, we'll leave that. I think you strongly hinted at it, but then the Fives just came into the picture. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, we might. We'll see how we go. All right. Well, if you if you like, write us a letter. Yeah. Drop us a line on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Oz Rock Rated. If no. you want to, you know, if you want to get involved and let us know that you want us to bloody do whoever next, but we're not going to do COG and we're not going to do <laughs> the butterfly effect. Sorry. Are they Australian? Yes. We're not going to do any of those. Why not? <laughs> well, we've... Well, um, we're, okay, I'll, I'll say it now. We're not doing COG,
0: right? Sorry. Why?
1: Because we're just not.
0: We could do The Hanging Tree, Lucius Boric's first band. They've got one album. We could talk about that for an we're hour and a okay. half. I could do that, easy. COG. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, drop us a line. Let us know. What do uh, you think? Thanks for listening once again. We'll see you on the next episode of Oz Rock. Rated.